0: Want award-winning box sets? Try Now TV. From fashion to friendship, join the fabulous four in Sex and the City. Enjoy a comedy show about a comedy show in 30 Rock. And clock in for small-town fun with Parks and Recreation. So, treat yourself to award-winning shows on a Now TV entertainment pass. To start your 14-day free trial today, search Now TV. 18 plus, new customers only. Auto renews at 15 euro unless cancelled. Offer end 7th of July. Terms apply.
1: Welcome to Preach, Care, Preach with Rashad. We are the Prophets. Here's another episode, another sermon coming at y'all from pretty much anywhere. iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcast listening on. Uh, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, not much, man. Just uh, enjoying quarantine, man.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it's it been a pretty pretty slow week, um, but we, we did an interview last week. Uh, with the uh, assistant coach from the Denver Nuggets, uh, John Beckett III, he goes by JB. Uh, it was a hey, it was a good, good, interesting uh, convo. Uh, we we also brought up uh, at the time the GM of the Denver Nuggets, and now you know he he's been moved up. He got he got became the uh, vice president of basketball operations for the Bulls. Um, Artis Karnasovas, I can't really say it, but from Lithuania, um, he got the job. Any any uh, light you want to shed on that?
2: No, it was just time for that Bulls era to, to move forward. You know, uh, the guard packs era was, I think, 20-plus years, about 22 years. So it was time for a change And you know, what, what Denver's been doing the last couple of years, you know, with Masai uh, there, the GM that just took the Bulls' job. So, you know, the last couple of years, Denver's been one of the uh, preeminent and stellar organizations. So great acquisition by the Bulls, and uh, it was – it could say well over to do, honestly.
1: Right. Yeah. So in the interview later on, we really couldn't get into too much detail on players because, you know, tampering and all that other stuff. Um is there is there something that you wanted to ask as far as like like from the nugget standpoint that we didn't get to ask?
2: No, everything I want to know was mainly about you know, about him, uh, you know, stylistically, what does he prefer? Eye tests, analytics, do you prefer you know, do you have a, a future coaching style for yourself, things like that. I didn't really care about, you know, asking about other players. I was, I was more, you know, intrigued by asking about about him, his background, and what his plans going forward.
1: You know, some, something I, I thought about at the um, – the you know, Denver Nuggets is really known for the great home crowd, like the, one of the best atmospheres in the NBA, um, a team that if you go – if you're going on the road at Denver, you're probably coming away with a loss – um, it was actually kind of surprising that Portland Trailblazers last year in the playoffs was able to get two wins in that series. Um, but I think they I think they won in this, in the regular season as well in Denver. So it's kind of like maybe they had their number. But um, it, it's kind of like man when you play in Denver, obviously you got the Maha, uh Maha thing going on. I know I had the sickle cell trait, so I I don't think I could play in Denver. I know Ryan Clark uh, from the Steelers back in the day he couldn't play in the playoff game against against the Broncos that hurt them. I think that was the same game when Tebow did the uh, overtime win. But uh, I was kind of like – I wanted to know, like, that atmosphere uh, as far as does it have does it really have that distinct, um, you know, advantage uh, for opponents coming in from, you know, California, Atlanta, New York, whatever it is.
2: Oh, yeah, the elevation for sure. Um, but I, I think every team has a home court advantage if you create it by winning and building your fan base, like – uh, Denver is known for the elevation, so teams go up there. You you know you try to play fast, you'll you'll end up gassing out. Uh, but look at like the Warriors in Oakland, Rockin' Arena. Everybody, even though they're not a good team, it's just the the atmosphere of the garden. So people love going to play there. Um, you got locations like Miami, uh, LA. You know places where even Atlanta, where guys are known to go out. Houston guys are known to go out and party a little bit more just because of the nightlife, afterlife, uh, restaurant choices, things like that. So I think every team has a home court advantage if it's created organically through winning, loyal fan base. Uh, you know, you got a team you can really get behind, like the We Believe Warriors or the years when LeBron was in Cleveland that first go around that first seven years. There were some some rocking arenas up there in Cleveland. So I think it's just all about what you create organically through your, your players, your – you know, winning, winning culture, sustained winning, things like that.
1: All right. Uh, do you think Denver Nuggets is the top five, uh, like hardest place to play? Would you put that in the top five?
2: Yeah, for sure. Just that, that goes for any sport. That's baseball, football, basketball. Denver is known around all <laughs> all sports as a a place you don't want to go play it. Yeah, and yeah. Not 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 just during like seasons. Like you know, some place you don't want to go play in the wintertime. It don't matter what the season is; you don't want to play in Denver, yeah. And okay. that's not because it's a it's a bad you know bad place. It's just it's that the atmosphere of it all. It it, it just it, it takes the air out of certain certain guys. So um, Denver is definitely one of the top five places, toughest places to play across all sports.
1: How about I say elevation? Plus, if you play in the wintertime, like f- football, oh gosh, that's just that's just crazy. Um, but without further ado, we can get right into our interview with John Beckett, JB. And thank
2: you again to JB for joining us. Uh, You know, even though we're in quarantine, he's he's spending time with his family. So we appreciate him taking the time to come on and uh, join our platform, share some insight on, like I said, his background, his future plans, um, as much as he could about the Denver organization. So we appreciate him doing that.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Want award-winning box sets? Try Now TV. From fashion to friendship, join the fabulous four in Sex in the City. Enjoy a comedy show about a comedy show in 30 Rock. And clock in for small town fun with Parks and Recreation. So, treat yourself to award-winning shows on a Now TV entertainment pass. To start your 14-day free trial today, search Now TV. 18 plus, new customers only. Auto renews at 15 euro unless Cancelled. Offer end 7th of July. Terms apply.
1: All right, we're here with assistant coach from the Denver Nuggets, John Beckett. Uh, You go by the third or you should go by just John Beckett in NBA world?
3: No, NBA world, everyone just calls it JB.
1: Okay, so we'll go by that. So JB is joining us, uh, assistant coach from the Denver Nuggets. Uh, I think this is our fifth year there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So first, I want to ask, like, you know, how's the family doing? Six season, season, okay. Six Six season. Six season with the Nuggets. Um, I guess, first off, how is the family doing, doing all this, you know, COVID-19 situation? How is it adjusting to, to, to life at home, I guess, being self-quarantined and stuff?
3: Uh, family, everybody's good. You know, um, you know, it's a crazy time in the world, but, you know, it's, it's actually a blessing for us as well. Um, we don't really get a chance to spend uh, this amount of time that we have being homes, um, especially for me having a, a newborn son there. Uh, with my and also my fiance, now so he's giving us an opportunity to congrats a lot. of I appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, we've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time around each other. Uh, my fiance has me doing a ton of uh, home improvement projects, <laughs> and, um, and I got a lot of time to spend with my son and trying to get him right now. We're trying to do a little sleep training, trying to get him to learn how to sleep.
1: <laughs> definitely i understand
3: that
2: are you all doing anything fun are y'all netflixing watching you know, streaming shows movies i, mean, I, I,
3: I think we're doing more games yeah I, I think we're doing what everyone's doing you know we, we're on netflix we're watching movies uh we go on a ton of walks uh, i feel like we walk anywhere from four to six miles a day um that's basically the only thing that you can really do outside um but yeah we've been we've been doing a lot of that right. uh, can't really watch Netflix. Um, I did binge um, Netflix show Ozark uh, season 2 I did too yeah Yeah, at night when when, when little man was was asleep but other than that it's it's (laughs) just been been cool spending time with the family and then um, our head coach he's he's given us projects to do during the downtime also so um, been doing a little projects here and there whenever um, I get some time away, away from the family
1: definitely um but before we get into like you know uh the questions that we have for you i uh, could you kind of explain uh the the, the j b story from from you know from like high school and, and right, be- right before you got into the situation that you're in now
3: uh so the story of uh my background basically how how I got to where I got
1: or like just just like the like the rise you know from from like high school uh, you know playing college ball all the way to I always like right before like your a t l days.
3: oh man that's a... Uh... Long story, I'm, I'll try to condense it. <laughs> That's uh, play ball high school at uh, Sandy Creek High School. It's in Tyrone, Georgia, probably like 20, 25 minutes south of Atlanta, uh, a little bit past the airport. Um, played there. Um, from there, I went and got a scholarship over to Georgia State University. Um, played there for one year, my freshman season. Long story, but you know it just didn't work out. Um, a lot of it was probably on my part. wasn't you know mature enough to handle um, not playing as much as I as I would like to play. Uh, end, end up transferring and finishing up at a Division two school in Saint Petersburg, Florida, called Eckerd College. Um, my last two years or three two years finished there, and then um, after I got through, um, like most kids who play college ball, you know I wanted to play pro ball. Um, ended up going to Germany uh, briefly. Um, a good, good friend of mine who was a teammate, uh, me and him always made a pact. We said, you know, if one of us get overseas first, you know, we would help the other get over there. Uh, he ended up getting a job over in Germany first, um, talked to the team, talked to the president, uh, and and it, he ended up getting me over there. I got over there and it wasn't what I thought it was gonna be. Um, culture shock. Yeah, culture shock. And you know, it, it wasn't like a high, high level, yeah. You know, EuroLeague team, it was like a, um, uh, I don't know what, what the exact term is, I think a Division Four team over there. So it, it, it was low level. I mean, I was playing against sometimes 14, 15-year-olds in there, which, you know, I guess typical for uh, for European basketball. It's like um, a Lamelo ball thing. He's playing against grown men. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so it, it was a cool experience, but, you know, it was something that, you know, it, it just wasn't for me, I don't think. So I came back you know, still love balls, playing every day, pick up and working out, didn't know what I was going to do. Um, so during that time, um, at Eckerd, uh, the head coach there, he introduced me to, um, a former player that worked for Turner, Turner, Turner studios. So he got me a job there freelancing. So, um, I was cutting highlights at then CNN SI and then also, um, for TNT inside the NBA. And, um, I just started meeting people, started networking. And um, the gym that I worked out at, um, a good friend of mine at the time, uh, he had a friend that worked with the Hawks. Uh, He thought it was a good idea for me to go talk to him. Me and him talked, and from there, that's just where where it
1: went.
2: What's about college, man? Uh, What made you major in business management?
3: Honestly, you know, you know, at that time, like, 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 most young men playing ball, you had aspirations to play in the NBA. I just put it, to, you know, I would just major in something, just to major in something. I <laughs> my, my, my was, to get, was, was, was to get to the NBA and, you know, I go back, I, you know, I should have handled it differently and really thought about what I, what, what I wanted to major in, you know, if I can go back now and, and change my major, it would probably be something in exercise science, uh, just because, you know, I like the training aspect. I like to, you know, work out and, you know, I would have loved to maybe have done like a strength and conditioning coach or something like that. For okay. Me. But everything worked out how we, how it was supposed to work out and, you know, I'm blessed to be where I'm at right now.
1: Right. Um, so are you going to say, so that means you, you was born in Georgia. I know, uh, so was I, well, all three of us actually. So, um, is, uh, is is it uh, safe to say that you was a Hawks fan growing up? You know, or you know when he was there, or, or how that went? No, the, the thing is, I wasn't uh, born in
3: Georgia. I was born in uh, New York, Flushing, New York. Okay. Um, both of my parents once they got married, they moved to New York. My dad worked for uh, Pan Am, who's a airline that's that no longer exists. Yeah. Um, so my dad worked at Pan Am, and then I moved down to Georgia my uh my, my ninth grade year. Started my ninth grade year. Um, my dad worked for Pan Am, they went under, he got transferred to Delta and then obviously, you know, most people who are from the South or sp- specifically from Atlanta and, and Georgia, you know that, you know, the hub, a huge hub for Delta is in Atlanta, so yeah. he ended up getting transferred down there, so that's how I ended up, uh, in Atlanta. I was
1: like, you know, I got that, I got that Scott Miles card my, uh, credit card in my pocket right now. <laughs> oh yeah, Delta's running it all down here in the South, the Hartfield
3: Jackson. <laughs> exactly, but uh, but, but growing up, no, I was a huge uh, Bulls fan, uh, huge Michael Jordan fan. Huge oh yeah, because you, you grew up
2: in the '90s, so you got to see that yeah, whole yeah. entire run of MJ.
3: Exactly, exactly, and uh, especially when I when I began to really like watch basketball and love basketball, which was um, right around my seventh grade years when I started playing and watching. You know, that's when Mike. You know, I think they were winning their first championship against the Lakers. So, I mean, that just tells you how old I am. But um, (laughs) that's when I fell in love with the game. And it was tough because being in New York, that was the time when the Knicks were really good. You know, the Patrick Ewing, the John Starks, Charles Oakley era. So, you know, um, it was always tough going to school because everyone was was a Knicks fan. But, you know, I was just always, you you know, a Michael Jordan fan like most kids during that time.
2: Yeah, I was just about to ask, but you being born in New York, were you a New- Knicks or a Bulls fan? But you got to answer, like, you were, you were an MJ guy, you were a Bulls fan.
3: Yeah, I was a Bulls fan. Now, now don't get me wrong, I love I the Knicks, you know. Um, during that time, you know, my parents, we didn't have cable, you know, they, they, they were strict and stuff. So, um, luckily, we had neighbors that were across the street. I always remember, remember them, the Atkinsons. Uh, they always invited me over anytime I wanted to to go watch, you know, the Knicks game that was on, you know, the MSG Network. So I always used to watch the Knicks all the time. So I always rooted for them. Um, and the funny thing is, even before I knew it, we were moving to Atlanta. I watched Atlanta a ton because during that time, um, the Hawks and the Braves, they were on TBS. So they were always on, like, national TV all the time. So I, I would always see the Braves and the Hawks game. So, you know, I was always, you know, watching Dominique and Luke Blaylock and Stacey Augman and those guys like that. So, you know. I basically grew up a Knicks, Hawks, and... In uh, the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They were, they were just always on TV all the time, so I just always watched them.
2: So, so what'd you uh, growing up in that... Go ahead, Kevin. No, you, you go Yeah, you
1: got
2: it. Oh, yeah. What'd well, you growing up in, like, you know, like you said, south of Atlanta and going to Sandy Creek? Like, I know the school wasn't in existence that long before you, you know, kind of went there, so but what? Do you, how do you feel about, you know, being one of those early people to... Kind of put them on the map basketball wise because they've been a powerhouse over the last decade or so.
3: Yeah, it's funny, you know, looking at them now, you know, through the years and seeing them winning state championships in football. I mean, they had a, a great run in football. They've had a lot of great players come uh, through there, yep. um, and then basketball. You know, they seem to always make the state tournament now and going pretty far. And I think this past year, they, they final you know, four, they the final four, and. They got one of the top juniors in in, in the state right, right now from what I see. But yeah, when, when I first started it, it was a totally different school. Um, obviously it was young. Um, when I got there, the first senior class was graduating during that, during that time. So I was <laughs> that was the first senior class that I was graduating then. And um, obviously there wasn't no history, there wasn't no culture. Um, so, so when we got there, everything was brand new. And, it was great, you know. We had a you know a really good group of guys that you know worked hard and, and were really you know passionate about basketball, and um, you know, we, we had a really good run, especially my senior year. Um, we made it to the Elite Eight, um, lost to the eventual uh, state champions during during that time, and um, I think we finished number nine, you know, at, during the final poll, I, I believe. And uh, it, it was a fun ride. You know, it was, you know we had guys who. Um, probably the best athlete we had in the school, Hibari Holloway. Uh, he went on to um, play football at Notre Dame, ended up getting drafted by the Patriots. He went okay. to R.J. Uh, with Tom Brady. Um, and he finished up his career in Houston. Uh, we had other guys that went on to have great college careers with basketball, uh, a couple in baseball. So, you know, it, it was fun, you know, getting that culture started. And then a lot of guys that came after us, they just continued and took it to a whole
1: nother level. So the time, the time with the Hawks, and you know, I know, you say, you're a coordinator and stuff like that. Um, what would you say was like the best thing about about doing all that during that time, as far as like developing your skills? Uh, um, you talk about like starting starting to, de- to play, the the play development role, so like, how did, how did that come about? In, in, in as far as your rise to to be where you were. Um, I mean, it had to happen. Like Atlanta, like that
3: was. You know crucial in my development as in my career and, and just being a coach um you know in in atlanta it's funny how how i started you know uh, going back to the story you know talking about you know my past once i got you know to the hawks um i started out as, as, as a sales rep selling season tickets um so that's what i was doing I was cold caller you know people who previously you might have bought one ticket and we got your information i'm calling you to sell you on a, a full, full season, half season of Chick fil A family night, I'm, I'm sending out Yeah, <laughs> so you know, I'm doing all that stuff, and you know, I'm in the cubicle all day, I'm wearing slack, you know, button up shirt, and you know, it just you know, it didn't feel right, it wasn't a passion of mine. So, um, during that time, anytime like the Hawks would go on the road, um, the practice score at that time, this is when um, the Hawks were owned by uh, Turner Broadcasting, which is in the CNN Center. So, um, and then, you know, as you guys know, at that time, um, Phillips Arena is right, connected right next to it. So yeah. we, would have, we would have access to the practice court, so employees would go down there and, um, and play ball you know, after work. So when I got there, um, I found the, the video coordinator at the time, his name was Luke Steele. Um, I didn't know what a video coordinator was, had, had no idea. Um, me and him just happened to have a little conversation and, you know, basically talking to him, you know, video coordinator is basically like an entry level position for guys who never played in the NBA. Um, so I was curious and wanted to learn more about it. So, you know, I, I started talking to him more and um, I told him, I said, look, you know, between my responsibilities during the Hawks game is all right. If I come down to your office and just you know, watch and observe and, and see what you're doing. He was cool about it, so um, any time the Hawks had a game and I didn't have uh, responsibilities with season ticket holders, I would go down to the office and just watch and see what he does, and um, you know, I, I became interested in him. So um, I started being more, more aggressive in terms of you know getting to know people on the basketball side of things, like the general manager, the assistant general manager, or the secretary. Guy, I didn't care who it was. If you were in basketball operations, I was just trying to get to know you. Um, make a long story short, um, you know, my position opened as his assistant. Um, uh, and I guess, you know, they might've got tired of me bugging him. <laughs> uh, and, um, that's kind of where, where it all started there in Atlanta. And then from there, once I got in, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to learn. Um, you know, I played high school ball, played you know, college ball, played, you know, you know, as I told you in, in Germany briefly. So, you know, I thought I had a good grasp of understanding of, of the game and I really get it. I remember like, my first year, it was just like, wow. It was like, you know, the terminology they you use, the, the amount of detail that goes into, you know, every game in terms of like the scouting reports and the personnel, like, I never knew it. It was, it was so in-depth. Um, so it was great for me to get in there. It was great for me to, to learn all of that. It was great for me to learn, you know, how to do all the video stuff. Um, just to be around players or I get on the court and, you know, I would help the coaches out, whether it be just rebounding. I'd try to be the best rebounder out there or be just, you know, while they're working out, playing token defense on them just to, you know, make the drills a little bit, you know, more competitive, make them go a little bit harder. And um, it was, you know, very important for me because during that time with Atlanta, that's where, you know, I grew and that's where I, I learned it from.
0: Uh,
2: life skill wise, man, what kept you motivated during that time to, to find your passion? Kind of, you said you know you were you went to Florida, you came back home, you know you were kind of selling season tickets. You didn't really have like your your true passion to find you. So how did you stay motivated during that time?
3: Um, honestly, I don't know. You know, it was basically just trying to figure it out, just trying to like throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. Um, I knew that it, I, I wanted to stay in basketball. Um. Had no idea that coaching would be the thing that you know I, I would really be passionate about. Uh, the thing about Atlanta, which was great, um, uh, the the front office, whether it would be when it was Billy Knight and Chris Grant there, or uh, Rick's Son and Dave Pendergraft, or you know later on Andy Ferry and Wes Wilcox, um, all those guys given the opportunity to you know do many things in the organization. So. Um, during that time, I wasn't traveling. So if I wasn't traveling, um, I would go on the road and, and go scout. So any any school that was in driving distance, you know, I was going to scout. So I was I was down at Mercer, was down at Georgia Southern, I was going to Clemson, I was going to Wofford. Anything in the southeast that I could drive drive to, I was getting in my car and I was scouting and I was learning. Um, um, so not only was I doing stuff, I was doing stuff in the front office side. So. Uh, I was exposed to a lot of stuff, and that just helped with my development. And just from from there, uh, doing so many things, I was able to find my passion and find which avenue I really wanted to explore.
4: Okay. Make life easy with Sky
3: TV and Netflix all in one place on Sky Q. Now for only 30 euro a month.
0: Award-winning Sky shows like Chernobyl and complete seasons like Game of Thrones are right next to Netflix originals like The Crown and Narcos Mexico. So if you love queens, kingpins, or even whole kingdoms, we've got them all side-by-side on
3: SkyQ. Now for just €30 a month. Easy. Search Sky 30. New Sky customers only set up fees, minimum term, and further terms apply.
2: So what was it like going to Denver, man? Like that, that culture shock of, you know... That's, that's totally different, different time zone, you know, it's not the typical East Coast culture. So, like, what was it like? You know, did you pick up any hobbies, like skiing or anything like that when you got out there?
3: Uh, yeah, well, um, coming out to Denver was cool. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm, I'm a person that's, that's active, you know, and I like to work out. And out in Denver, it's, you know, you know they got straight out here. Um, there's a lot of great hiking trails. People like to do a lot of things, you know, outdoors, especially when it's cold and in the mountains. Um, so that was good. fit in perfect. That's a um, um, shock in terms of, like, the culture. Yeah, it's a, it's a little different, um, but I, it's easy for me to adapt to. Um, I've lived in so many places throughout my life, uh, so it wasn't hard to adapt to it out here. Um, and then with me, you know, basketball is my life. As long as I have the gym and as long as I have access to get in there, like, everything's fine. Everything out. I- you know, work working out. You know, being in this business. You know, you got to be able to adapt to all different environments, to all different cultures, and you know, it, it,
1: it wasn't hard at all. You know, when, when I made my move, everybody was talking about. You just going. I, I went by myself. Like nobody with me. We got my own apartment. And guy asked me to move up. And I was like, yeah. You know, and I'm moving to Delaware, Pennsylvania. And you got like the uh, the uh Amish mafia up here. You got the uh, you got you got all these, you know, a lot of almost stuff, country like that. So I'm like, it's it's a pretty cool place, dude. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, when you mean go different places, you you gotta learn to adapt because, like you said, in a business like you are in, yeah, you
3: know, things can change. For instance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I spent a year in Delaware. That's where the um, where the Philly G team was. I was in Wilmington. So okay. Yeah. Delaware wasn't bad.
1: It's not bad. It's not. It's not too bad. Not too bad. Cold. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely definitely
3: definitely cold
1: definitely cold all right so if we if we want to get into like more like the 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 coaching side and play development side so is 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 head, is head coach like your 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 final goal or do you want to be like you know general manager or or even something bigger than that
3: no, i i think for me I, w- I want to be a head coach you know um, i didn't i didn't know I, I wanted to do that some years ago but just being around and you know, seeing how, you know, the head coach handles everything and seeing, you know, how they can put, you know, a, a team together, how they put an offense together, you know, what goes into, you know, building a starting lineup, what goes into building a sub chart, like, you know, I like that. I like, I like the whole strategy of, of, of everything. And, you know, that's something that I'm interested in. And hopefully that's something that happens for me you know, sometime in, in the future.
2: Uh, this is a question I have I hear like guys like Charles Barker talk about it and guys at ESPN talk about it how heavy are you into like analytics versus like just the the eyeball test like seeing what a guy can really do like how do you how do you balance that out like, in your in your opinion, as far as like coaching wise uh,
3: I mean it, it, both of them are just as important um I don't think I go too heavy on the, 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 the stats and the numbers side uh, but I definitely use it um Because, you know, if you're talking to a player, it's not enough to tell them, okay, well, you're struggling shooting at the rim or, you know, this is a shot that maybe you should, you should not shoot anymore. If you say that stuff, you know, it goes a lot further with that player if you have numbers to back it up. Um, If you tell them, you know, the last 15 games, you know, on your floaters, you know, you're only shooting 30%, maybe you should, you know, stay away from them and, Maybe work on some other shots, maybe a pull up jumper, <laughs> right. basket, or something like that. So, I think it goes hand in hand. And then, you know, a lot of times we look at the numbers. You know, after you watch a game or you watch multiple games, the numbers just tell you what what your eyes already see. Yeah. Uh, um, so I think it, I think it's a combination of both. I don't think you can just look at the numbers, but you know, I don't think you can just look at the game either. It has to be a little bit of both.
1: Okay. As far as your head coaching job is, your head coaching job is like your, you know, your your goal. Do you see a lot of like Mike Malone into your your coaching style, or do you you pull a lot from like way back when we we was in Atlanta? uh, We with the we with the '87ers on the D team.
3: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I pull it from from everybody. Obviously, you know, being around Mike Mike Malone for as long as I've been around him, um, Mike is a you know he's a great coach. the thing that you know I learned from him is just you know the detail, um, the work ethic. You know he's second to none um, in terms of organization. So yeah, I definitely am taking a lot from him uh, in terms of coaching. But I'm also taking a lot from all the coaches that I've been around in the past. Um, you know I tell everybody all the time, you know, Kenny Atkinson. He was you know, recently with, with Brooklyn. I was with him in Atlanta um, you know, in terms of player development i learned so much from him, just, you know, his, his passion, um, just the detail that, that he would go into each workout, knowing what, you know, each player needs to work on, not really wasting time on stuff that they don't need to do. Um, i learned a ton from him. Um, other guys i learned from, uh, Dave Finsdale, um, obviously, uh, Lester Connor, who, who I mentioned earlier, Mike Woodson, Larry Drew, uh, Nick Van Exel, David Fisdale, I mean, you know, uh, Brent Brown. I mean, I've been around so many guys that, you know, I'm, I take a little bit, you know, from each of them. But at the end of the day, you know, you still got to be yourself. Right, definitely. You know, I, can't be, I can't be any of those guys. So, yeah, you know, I take stuff from them, but then you know, I also have to be me. Do you see yourself potentially having, like,
2: a a niche
3: style, like uh,
2: Mike D'Antoni's always fast-paced or Phil Jackson did the triangle or Mike Budenholzer, he's, like, the four-round one with Giannis. Do you see yourself having, like, a niche style, or are you kind of going to, you know, just kind of carve out what you have with your team in in the future?
3: I, I wish I could tell you I have this style, but, you know, I've never been the head coach on any level yet, so – um Honestly, I don't know what my style is going to be. I got you. Uh, I, guess, I guess that's uh, that's to be determined. Um, you know, and then a lot of it is, you know, you know, who's the personnel that you have. Um, you got to kind of like go with whatever the strength of your team is. You know?
2: Be able to adjust on the fly. Yeah.
3: Yeah. If you have a team that you, know, you got strong, strong bigs, maybe you know you're gonna have to slow it up and kind of revolve around you know post up. But if you have a strong point guard, and you have shooters, and yeah, maybe we can get out, we can run and we can play fast pace. But you know, I think a lot of that has to go with you know who you have on your team. And then again, as far as you know, my
1: style, I don't know, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, definitely. Yeah, um, so when we when it comes to player development, when you look at guys like uh, a player that maybe doesn't want to shoot, but but he like, I know you got it in you, hey, is, it, is that hard to pull out of people? Or, or it's like okay, well, there, there may be a weakness. Let's let's focus on your strength. Like, what kind of what kind of balance is that? Um, I mean, for me, for, for player development, uh,
3: especially on this level, my whole goal is to um, whatever that player does well, let's do that well to get you in, in, the, in the game. Because you know, at the end of the day, all these guys want to play and all these guys want to paid. and the only way that's going to happen is is, is to play to your strength. So if you're not a strong shooter, that's fine, you know, we'll still work on your shooting and, you know, the, the shooting mechanics or, all, or whatever it may be that's wrong with your shot. Um, but we're also gonna try to we'll try to find ways that you can still be effective while you're on the floor. Um there's a lot of things that you can do if you can't shoot, you know, you can be a great cutter. Um, you know, if teams not guarding you out there, a lot of times they might turn their heads so you'll be able to get, you know, behind them and, and Maybe get a, a layup, or you know, maybe a, a small jump shot, a short jump shot around there, or you know, if um, you can't you can't shoot well, let's you know, let's work on your driving skills. Let's work on your finishing at the basket. Um, let's work on you when you drive, you know, in the defense strengths. Maybe you know, you start kicking at the shooters or you start finding the big benefit of down low. So you know, we try to find other ways that you can be effective on the floor. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you be done. You know, if, if you can't shoot, uh, it's
2: just not a great sport. And, like, how do you approach a guy as far as, like, trying to let him know, like, hey, this is a weakness in your game, but this will help our team? Because all these guys have ego. Everybody's making, you know, $10, $15, 20000000 million. Dollars. So how do you go about approaching that guy saying, like, hey, this is how you can be more effective to help the team?
3: I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, if, if guys want to play, if guys want to be successful in this league, you know. You got to be able to handle, um, you know, coaching, and you got to be able to handle some criticism. So a lot of times it's just, you know, you go and you talk to them, and just like you asked me the question earlier about the stats, you know, you show them the stats, and um, if they're not playing, you'd be like, okay, well, you're not playing because, you know, A, B, C, D. You go by the reasons why, and then you show them it on film, and then you try to show them that you can really do well to help this team, and then that's how you get more from it. Mean, I think, um, you know, you hear it all, all the time, you know, be a star in your role. Um, if your role is, is not the score, then you know, when you get in the game, all right, just be the best defender. Or, you know, if you're a great rebounder, be a, be a great rebounder. If you're a great cutter, be a great cutter. Do what you do best. Um, you know, some people aren't, are, you know, made to be accurate. or, or, or they Maybe they're struggling. Is being a producer, you're a they
2: producer, director, yeah, just they do your role the best
1: you can,
3: yeah, exactly. So, you know, find out what you can do well and do that to the best of your ability. And to me, that's where you go, you know, a lot further than what you think. I mean, you, you see guys in the NBA, um, you know, a lot of times, everyone from North Carolina, everybody from Duke, everybody from Syracuse, they don't like the NBA. Um, and the reason why is sometimes, you know, they have that that stature and. They're coming from high school, they're they're heavily recruited, and once they get to the NBA, they think that they're still on that level. Let me do what I have to do to survive. Let me do what I have to do to, um, to get into to make the team and to get on the NBA for
1: Before before we let you go, so me and Rashad had this whole thing last year uh, during the FIBA about um uh, the you know, Team USA versus uh, you know Serbia, and I was trying to tell him, I was like, man, Jokic is going to you know, he's, he's, going, he's going to bite the floor these guys, especially if he wasn't the you know, team A for Team USA. Um, do, do you believe if we do get Olympics, if we do get Olympics at some point, even even if, like, let's say the, 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 the bronze of the world, the Kevin Durant, doesn't play, do you believe we will be just good enough to upset the Team USA? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you look through
3: the years you when know, Team USA and, you know, they recently had Kobe and LeBron and he made all those guys. I think they played Spain in the championship. And it was a close. Pretty game. close. <laughs> so yeah, like, you know, the world has, has you know, already caught up to us. And, you know, if, if we don't bring our best players and not only bring our best players, if we don't play to the best of our ability, yeah, we can definitely lose. No doubt about that. No doubt. Uh, that was
1: fun. Go ahead, Kea. Nah, I was just saying, you know, I'm, a big, I'm team survey, you know what I'm saying? That's that's all I'm saying. say. Jokic and in my world of garbage. <laughs> uh, so it was impressive, you know,
3: having Jokic and that, um, you know, being in Denver, we have a heavy uh, um, European influence, you know, with Jokic. Uh, and you know, we've had, you know, a ton of players over from Europe and you know, various countries over there, and even in our front office, um, Torres. Um, you know, he's interviewing, he's, he's our general manager, he's interviewing for a presidential job at the Bulls right now. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our coaches is from Serbia, Ar- Arjen Stryakovic. And, and um, just being around those guys and, you know, seeing how, you know, you know coaches from over there, the details that they, that, that they have and the passion that they have and the work ethic that they have, you see why, you know, a team like Serbia is so good and, and the players that they have all around them. NBA are, are succeeding right now, um, I mean, those guys work, they're very intelligent, um, and you can tell at a young age that, you know, the drill work, the skill work, and everything that they work on, you know, as they get older, they're, they're, their skill level is very, very, very high, um, so I've learned a ton just from being around them.
2: Yeah, do you think team chemistry is more important or having the most talent is most important? Because, you know, the international ball, those guys are playing together since they were like 8, nine, ten years old. But for the USA, we just take the best talent, hope they gel in two or three weeks, and then go over to a different country and play ball. Do you think chemistry is more important or having the most talent is more important? Oh, that's a good
3: question, man. I mean, because you got to have great chemistry to win, but if you don't have talent at the end of the day, you <laughs> You know, the, thing, the thing with FIBA, uh, you know, in Olympic basketball, all that, you know, it's a different game from the NBA. You know, in the NBA, you can't stand on the lane for a few seconds, whereas, you know, in you know, FIBA basketball, you can play a, a, a true zone. Um, you can take take the ball off the rim. You know, it's, it's live. <laughs> um, so it's a it's a very different game. Whereas, you know, over there, you can't shoot. You, know, you really get exposed because. Oh yeah. It's, it's, strength the floor, they can pack the paint and you know, if you don't make shots, and then it shows, plus the game is shorter, so um, the margin for error is, is, is a lot smaller, where NBA is forty eight minutes and for them it's forty. So I mean it's a it's a totally different game too. So, you know, a lot of guys, you know, from Europe they've been playing that style of basketball their whole lives. Whereas, you know, here in America, the only time we play that is for what is it, a month, month and a half that they play it during the summertime. So it's it's an investment the USA team, look I how many guys, you know, have like played USA basketball and you know, who struggled on that time. I remember Tim Duncan played you know, Tim Duncan, you know, arguably the greatest power forward of all time. He, he struggled during that season. Um so it's just it's a it's a different game where, you know, anything could happen, especially if a player or a team gets hot shooting the basketball.
1: Yeah definitely. Uh, I got I got one more question that i did. So I did this prediction, was uh, maybe two years ago, um, and I was like, "Well, I'm a Kentucky, Kentucky Wildcat fan, so you know Jamal Murray is one of my favorite players." Uh, I was like, "This season coming up, this was 2000. This was last year, and I had that great run last year." I said, "This season, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are going to be top five backcourt duo." Now, I I had to take a step back because Gary Harris got hurt a little bit. Uh, can I be bold enough and say this again? Uh, you know, with the development of, of those two players, or, or do to, or should I wait wait a while? Because I, I know I know when you get hurt, it's kind of like you know you're trying to get back to where you was, but then kind of maybe the stop your decline a little bit. How how do like players like I. Like, um, can I be that bold again, or do I have to wait to see Gary Harris get back into his his, his rhythm? Because injuries doesn't play too.
3: Uh, I mean, if you look at Gary, after the All-Star break, you look at his numbers, you know, he started to play more like himself. Um, I mean, but it's, it's, it's tough, you know, because, you know, with our team, you know, you know, besides Jokic, you know, we have a lot of guys that, that can do a lot of things. I mean, we have a very talented team. Um, you know, two or three years ago, you know, when Gary, you know, was, was stats were like unbelievable in terms of, you know, points per game and, you know, the shooting, you know, at that time, you know, he might have been the second or third option. And mm-hmm. now, you know, Schmauer started coming to his own, just had a great year. Uh, you had a guy like Paul Millsap he was second or his third year with the team. So, you know, the shots that you might have got two three years ago, you might get those same shots right now. Um, you know, saying that, you know, Gary is, is, is a hard worker. Um, you know, he, he struggled early on this year, but like I mentioned, after like that star break, it started to come along. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm probably biased, but you know, I think, you know, Jamal and Gary, you know, they're one of the top young backwards in the NBA. And I think they, they've shown that, that they can be that uh, in the past, and especially last year going to the second round of the playoffs and getting one game away, you know, one
4: away
2: from going to Western Conference. Yeah, my last question um, I'm not sure if you're active on Twitter at all, but in the Twitter world, you know, a lot of people like to discredit guys from the 90s like John Stockton, like Gary Payton, or uh, Charles Oakley saying those guys couldn't play in this era, which is probably somewhat right. But um, like, how do you think people? should judge the 90s compared to the guys today? Like, do you think we should cross compare eras or do you think we should just stick to judging the guy within his era and not like try to say, oh, in this era he would be this good or not an all-star, but in that era he would have been great. Do you think we should stop comparing eras and just look for guys like just judging off what they did in their era or should we, should we cross compare eras like that? I
3: mean, I, I mean it's, it's fun talk. I mean, you know, that's, that's the barbershop kind um, of But no, I mean, you can you can cross match errors. I mean, that's just that's just sports. You're gonna you're gonna always talk about it. Um, to say that those guys can play in this era, no, I wouldn't say that. Like the game is different right now. If those guys played in this era, then they would adjust their game to be in this era. Um, you know, back then in the in the nineties and eighties, it, it was a lot more physical game. Um, you know, the rules were different in terms of uh, uh, the, the defensive rules. There wasn't an emphasis on three-point shot like it is now. So um, I think, I think like, they can play in, play in this era. But I think guys right now can play in the era that uh, was in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, sure. I think, I think they can play in that era as well. It's just all about adjustment. Um, you know, just like you, you got to change with the time. Uh, I was just talking to, uh, I, think, I think, my brother about you know, just the world in, in, in general and you know, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, use jobs or they get phased out because they don't, you know, adjust with the times. Change with the times. you know, I think, you know, if Jordan played during this era, you know, I would think he would shoot a lot more dreams because that's what, you know, they want him. So, you know, he would also be, you know, even a better scorer because, you know, the defense is, you can't touch guys, you can't put a hand on them. And, you, know, you go back and look at old highlights and you see how physical it was, especially, you know, during those years when he was playing uh, Detroit Pistons. Uh, and you just think about now if he played and, you know, there's no hand-checking and the way that the court is spaced out in terms of, like, the spacing guys on the three-point line, like, man, I think I, think, I think Jordan would be even more, more effective in this one. All
1: right. So, I, I, I guess that's saying in a couple, in a couple weeks you're going to be front and center for that uh that
3: Jordan documentary. Oh, absolutely. I've been excited about that. I mean, the first time they signed a preview was what, like a year and a half ago? Yeah. I did not even remember if I was hyped, and then when I saw it, they said, coming in the following year, I'm like, I've wait a whole year for this thing to come on. sure, April 19th, I will will be in front
1: of my TV uh, watching that documentary. All right, definitely, me too. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's
3: all the time guy. I appreciate you joining us, bro. Anytime,
0: I had fun. I I definitely enjoyed it. Want award-winning box sets? Try Now TV. From fashion to friendship, join the fabulous four in Sex in the City. Enjoy a comedy show about a comedy show in 30 Rock. And clock in for small-town fun with Parks and Recreation. So, treat yourself to award-winning shows on a Now TV entertainment pass. To start your 14-day free trial today, search Now TV. 18 plus, new customers only. Auto renews at 15 euro unless cancel. Offer ends 7th of July. Terms apply.
1: All right, and thanks, JB, for joining us, man. I know we had some technical difficulties in there, but, hey, when 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 you're quarantined, locked in your room, all you got is all you got.
2: Yeah, it was, you know... Things happen, but it was still a great, hard hint interview. Great insight by him. Um, we had some good questions. I thought he answered phenomenally. So, uh, once again, big shout out to JB, man. We really appreciate him taking that time to, to come on and do that with us, man. And hopefully, in the future, we can do it again. And of course, we won't have our, our technical issues. But even even with those, uh, very hard hint interview, and hope to uh, speak with him again. I know I got some more questions about the Jordan Dot when they come out.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Hey, hey, JB. Uh, me and Rashad, we will come to Denver. So uh, you know, we we gonna we gonna need we gonna need some backstage passes so I can see my boy Jokic. All right, appreciate it. Appreciate Riverside Rashad. We out.
4: on a journey to brighter days that lie ahead at Toyota our journey started more than 20 years ago with a dream of a cleaner better way to drive now Toyota's self-charging hybrids cut thousands of tons of co2 from our atmosphere thanks to Ireland's Toyota hybrid drivers who've made the switch so harmful emissions will be lower and the days ahead even brighter Toyota built for a better world We're all on a journey to brighter days that lie ahead. At Toyota, our journey started more than 20 years ago with a dream of a cleaner, better way to drive. Now, Toyota's self-charging hybrids cut thousands of tons of CO2 from our atmosphere thanks to Ireland's Toyota hybrid drivers who've made the switch. So harmful emissions will be lower and the days ahead, even brighter. Toyota, built for a better world.